embarked on this series. We're continuing with the theme, Unbothered, amen? Unbothered, unbothered. So if you have your Bibles, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you don't have them, I got it. I do have it on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll look at a few verses there. Just going to cover a few verses and some other kind of verses that coincide with it. And then we'll be on our way. Praise God. Can you please stand for the reading of God's word? If you don't have it, it's on the screen right there for you. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as it is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. You ever heard of Harold Houdini? You ever heard of Harold Houdini? Never heard of Harold Houdini? Famous musician? Yeah. Back in the 1900s, he was a famous, uh, not musician, excuse me, a magician. Yeah. A magician. Uh, famous, famous, uh, one of the first people to find like David Blaine gets out of things and all those things. So he had a, a, a trick called the Chinese water torture chamber where he would suspend himself upside down to this water chamber, be uh, chained up, upside down, hanging upside down. He would let people expect it, let y'all look at it, make sure you know like it ain't nothing faulty with it, this is what it is. He would move it around the stage, let you pick where he put it so you knew it wasn't a trap door. So he would set this thing up and he would do it all over the world and he was world famous for this thing. But it was two things that helped him pull off his um, his, his illusion. Cause you know magic ain't real, right? We know that, right? All right? Make sure we know that magic ain't real. So one thing he had stocks uh, that he put his feet in. So when he was immersed in water, they had stocks in there. So when he was immersed in water, the water would overflow the tank and it would have little air pockets. This would allow him to get some breaths in while he was underwater so he could continue to unhook himself and unchain himself. And the stocks that he had his feet in were these metal, these wooden things that were stocks that were heavy enough because they had a curtain over the um, tank. So it was heavy enough that he could swing himself up and take a couple breaths and go back down and finish and hooking himself till he finally came out on the other side and voila, he hops out. He's, uh, he's underwater all this time and he hops out and it looks very dangerous to everyone else. And there's a little danger with it, don't get me wrong. It looks very dangerous, but guess what? He always had a way of escape. Mm -hmm. So can I suggest to you that when we in temptations and trials come into our life, things that seem to hurt us and have us in fear and despair and feeling some kind of way, all uh, having all these problems and worries, God still got a plan of escape for you. So today we're going to deal with it in our sermon series. I'm bothered. Today's message is going to be called The Great Escape. Good. The Great Good. Escape. We are in our second installment of the series. And those who were here last week know that, that, that if you are a Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So all things are working for my good is one reason why I can be unbothered. All things. So sometimes things come in my life and I don't always agree with them. Sometimes things come in my life and they're not pleasurable to me, mm -hmm. but I remain confident that if God allowed it to happen, God can get me out of it. Amen. Amen. Uh, uh, tell somebody you can't have your cake and eat it all the time. It just don't you work like that. You can't have it like that. That's why scriptures like this: <laughs> Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Yes. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, because sometimes your heart will fail you. That's 
Yes. If we go by what you see and what you hear and what's happening to you and how much money's in your bank account and, and what's going on in my job, all these issues come and we have to remember we have to trust in the Lord. And what's he say? Acknowledge him in all your ways, not some, mm-hmm. not a few, but acknowledge him in all your ways that he promised he would direct our paths. Yes. So God is a promiser yes. what he will do. And so this passage we're looking at right here, the Apostle Paul was writing his letter to the church of Corinth. Corinth is a very sinful city. It's like the Las Vegas of the first century, y'all. They got a little bit of everything going on in Corinth. It's going down in Corinth everywhere, everywhere. It's Burger King. You can have it your way. Everything you want is in Corinth. It's that city. But, but the name is Jesus is ran through, and it's a church there now, praise God. So Paul writes two letters. It's 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And please don't be like... Uh, number 45, who, who said, uh, turn to 2 Corinthians. Don't do not do that. Y'all didn't learn that at the New Creation Church. It's 2 Corinthians. Don't ever right. do that and have me looking crazy. No. Uh, the president didn't never know what he was talking about at a Bible college. Right. Uh, 2 Corinthians. No, it's 2 Corinthians, man. But make sure Paul covers a whole wide topic of division. He talks about division in the church. He talks about how to correct our sinful situations. He talks about instructions and order in the church. He teaches on love. He has answers to questions about marriage and even our giving and, and giving to the ministry. And even New Creation Church is based on a scripture out of uh, 2 Corinthians, which is, If any man become in Christ, therefore he's a new creation. Old things that passed away, behold, all things become new. So Paul let them know that if you come in Christ, if any man come to him, you are a new creation. Somebody should be happy right there. That when you come to Christ, God makes you new. He changes your heart. He puts his spirit in you. You are not the same person anymore. That's how when people look at you, they know your name but don't know who you are no more because you came to Christ. So, 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 but today we're going to talk about temptation, and, and I believe that's why the enemy has bothered some people today and, and, and messed them up, because temptation is something we got to deal with until we leave this earth. Mm-hmm. He don't want y'all to hear nothing about temptation. He wants you to go ahead and live your life and do whatever, but look at what Paul was trying to give us some instruction on temptation. Look at the first verse. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed unless he fall. Mm-hmm. The first thing to remember when dealing with temptation is don't be arrogant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Overconfidence is not a good look. Mm-hmm. There are several scriptures to remind us of this. I'm going to give you one right here. Check this out. Proverbs 16 and 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Uh, we have only two options. Either we're going to have confidence in, in God or confidence in us. Mm-hmm. We're going to let God be God or we're going to be God. It's only two options we got. So it's gonna be, we're going to depend on our abilities and our thinking and our reasoning or God's sovereignty. And sovereignty means supreme power or authority. And that's something only God has. I don't care how much money you got or your status or your power. God only has supreme power and authority. So we have to uh, remind us that we are not in control. This is what God does for us. Uh, uh, Proverbs 6 and 16 says, There are six things the Lord hates, yet seven are abomination to him. In verse 17, the first thing he lists on things that the Lord hates is a proud look. God hates for people to be arrogant. Why? Newsflash, God is the only one allowed to be arrogant, y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bible says He made us and not we ourselves. Yes, uh, yes, yes. He remembers our dust, our frames, and we are dust. He know He even made Adam from dirt. We we dust, he know that. Uh, he puts breath in our body, he keeps the earth in orbit, he knows all the stars by name, he makes the ice cold and the fire hot. Uh, uh, none of us can take any credit for any of that So he's the only one that's allowed To be arrogant So it kind of burns them up when his creation decides to be arrogant Like they don't need him when they wouldn't exist without him Jesus, help us Lord Y'all parents, right? Yeah, come on. When our children act like they don't need us And we pay rent, house, car, clothes, shoes Money to go somewhere Take care of you every day And then you act like you don't need me 
<laughs> Burn you up inside, don't it? Yeah. Well, imagine how God feels Jesus. looking at us when we go on living our life any kind of way and say, you know what, Father, we don't need you. Jesus, help us, yeah. Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. God's desire is for us to overcome temptation, but it depends on him to do it, not ourselves. Mm, that's good. Let's look at the scripture. I got bold prints on certain parts that we're going to touch every time. No temptation has overtaken you such as common to man is the scripture. So, so, so. No temptation. He says no. What does no mean? No means no, right? Mm -hmm. No means no. So he's, he's covering everything. No temptation has overtaken you such as common to man. Common to man. Look at the Greek. In the Greek, the word for temptation is prosmos, meaning to put to proof by experiment of good by evil solicitation. It is an implication of adversity. Uh, one professor said it like this. Temptation is the work of the devil to drag us to hell. That's, that's the simple way you can put it. Temptation is the work of the devil yeah, yeah. to drag us to hell. Wow. It's cold, cold, cold blooded. So temptation and attraction either from outside one outside oneself or from within. So we got two ways to be tempted. To act contrary to the right reason and the commandments of God. Jesus himself during his life on earth was tempted, put to the test to manifest both the opposition between himself and the devil and the triumph of his saving work, of his work, saving work over Satan. So even Jesus had to be tempted. So temptation comes to us all, and it's an opposition against us and God. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, temptation is an opposition. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a conflict of interest between us and God. That's what temptation is. Yeah. So, so the question is, and I got to ask this, why does God even permit temptation? That's a good question. That's good. Why? I mean, can we just live our life without temptation? Mm -hmm. Can I, we all agree our life can be a little bit better without temptation? Yeah, yeah. I think it would. <laughs> Why does God permit temptation? Temptation is necessary. Result of freedom. See, as free people, as free persons who are invited to love God and to say yes to his will, we also must be permitted to say no. Wow, that's good. There must be real alternatives to what God offers. Because mm -hmm. if God could force us to say yes to him, what, 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 what real meaning would I yes have? If God could force us to love him, if God could force us to say, you know what, you are my child, you love me, I love you. If he forced us, it wouldn't really mean nothing. That's it. That's it. And on the contrary, if God wants, wants us to choose to love him and choose to obey him, if he makes all things happen, ain't that an abusive relationship? <laughs> ain't that kind of abuse? When you make somebody love you, right. make somebody want to yeah. be around you, make somebody come to you, that's, that's an abusive relationship. And God's not into abusive relationships. God wants you to choose to love him. That's it. That's good. That's he good. wants your heart desire to be with him. Mm -hmm. Because he loves you, but if he ain't coming back in return, he don't want it. That's good. Wow. We don't want it. That's good. That's good. So check this out. What are the sources of our temptation? Bang. The big three. The world the flesh, and the devil. Yeah. Those are the three sources of our temptation. The world, the flesh, and the devil. What is the world? The world is the money and the power and the influence, uh, the systems that have been set up outside of God's commandments and God's will. Uh, the world tries to tell us who we are and who God is. You're going to miss that. The world tries to tell us who we are and who God is. And if we believe their, de their definition of God, it leads us to devastation. Wow. 
Yeah, you can't, you can't get caught up with that definition. God's word is who he said he is. You let people and persons and this word tell you, you'll be confused on who God is. So where else does temptation come from? The flesh. This is not referred to our, our physical body per se. Now, I'm not just talking about our physical body when I say flesh, but our many sinful desires. See, the flesh is the part of us that is rebellious. Yeah, and the church said amen. amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that does not like doing, does not like being told what to do. That part of you that don't want nobody to tell you nothing. That's it. That resists the truth and bristles at being less than God and at being dependent on God. It doesn't want to depend on God or anybody but itself. And it comes out in pride. Mm -hmm. It comes out in greed. It comes out in lust. It comes out in anger. It comes out in unbelief. It comes out in all kinds of different ways. But this is the temptation of our flesh. And the last one is the devil, a.k.a. Satan. Some temptations come directly from Satan. Yeah. And his demons and his enemies. Who suggest evil thoughts to us. To point us to wicked things, wicked ways, and wicked solutions. Satan is able to manipulate the world. Why? How is he able to do all these things? Because the Bible calls him the God of this world. Because those have depended on Satan for the world now, the systems and the regulations and the rules. So he's running it now. So now he's able to suggest certain things and certain uh, even policies. Mm-hmm. And we've seen all kinds of things have changed from us growing up. The policies that our government produces yeah. has changed. Why? Because he's the God of this world. Wow, that's good. So but since we have given him so much of our lives before we come into Christ, guess what? He knows what buttons to push. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the enemy know your flavor. Yeah, yeah, he know what flavor you like and how you like it, the caramels on the top and the cherry. He knows it all. So he's able to push our buttons to get us off track. And he said, no temptation has taken you such as common to man. I love that because Paul was letting us know that everything that everybody's going through, somebody else went through it as well. We're not allowed to whine and cry about it because it's common to man. All of us are going through something. We can't put our issues and our problems above somebody else because all of us are dealing with some form of temptation. Uh, Job 5 and 7, like 7 says this, It's human. Mortals are born and bred for trouble. And it's certainly as sparks fly upward. He's talking about sparks from a fly. Ever seen a wood on fire? Ever seen the sparks come up and down? It's going to happen, so it's trouble. Uh, man that is born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. Job 14 and 1. So we're born, and guess what? It's trouble. Can't get away from it. Got to accept it. It's part of life. Trouble happens. So guess what? But I love God because his word is encouraging. First Peter 5 and 8 says this. And now be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brother in the world. Wow. So the devil is walking around like a roaring lion, seeing whom he may devour. Uh-uh. How does he look for? How does he know who to devour? That's what the devil walks around looking like. Jesus. Wow. Look at that lion. Playing with that little animal. Knowing he's about to pounce on him. But the animal's weak. Good. See when lions come, they come to they come to hunt, what do they do? They somewhere ducked off in the in the everglades in the in the grass. They laying low. And they jump out and scare the herd. Mm-hmm. And guess what happens? Everybody's running. Those that are weak and little and slow. Jesus. That are not strong enough. Amen. They get left behind. Amen. And the lion pounces on them and takes them back to go feast. Wow. 
So this is how the devil walks around looking for us when we are weak. We're not in our strong points, and we're not in our word, and we're not in prayer, and we're not trusting God. He's looking for us. Yes, yes, he is. Yes, he is. So, so, so the devil devours us by getting us enslaved in the sin. And he does this because he knows our life prior to coming before Christ. He knows the flavor. He knows it. Trust me. Jonathan McReynolds, one of my favorite artists, uh, has a new CD called Life Room. If you haven't heard it, listen to it. Great, great CD. Uh, it's called Life Room. And he has a song called Cycles. And on the song called Cycles, it's a theme. And he says the devil keeps us in cycles. So what is cycle? The definition of a cycle, this is the noun, a series of events that are regularly repeated in the same order. The verb of it is move in or follow a regularly repeated sequence or events. So Jonathan McReynolds had the nerve on this song to say, uh, the devil learns from your mistakes, even if you don't. Woo. It's called gunning. The devil learns from our mistakes, even if we don't. That's how he keeps you in cycles. So you mean to tell me the devil taking notes on my weakness? You mean he's sitting there observing and got his enemies and his demons watching what I'm doing? Yeah, I see, I see how I see how she get he, she able to get him in a bad attitude right there. Yeah, I see how whenever he come around, he ready to sing, go drink, smoke, fornicate, whatever. Yeah, when he come around, he ready to leave his wife, do whatever. You mean he taking notes on our weakness? And the only way to turn a roaring lion into a purring kitten is to eliminate the cycles out of your life. We get because the devil's face, see the devil already knows he's defeated. He knows he only got a little bit of time. He don't really got all the power that he think he has or that we think he has that we give him. He really a little kitten. But until we get the big, until we get God on our side, he appears as a roaring lion to us all. So how, how do I get this roaring lion away from him? Look at, look at uh, uh, the verse, verse 9. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith. So I got to resist him. But the way to resist is I got to be steadfast in my faith. Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brothers that are in the world. I love that because this lets me know that I got to remain strong because there's people all over the world dealing with the same issues. And I know God can heal them and take care of them. He can do the same for me. It's not just me. See, the devil puts us on an island by ourselves. He thinks I'm the only one going through. I'm the only one hurting. I'm the only one experiencing this. No, baby, no. There's people all over the world experiencing this. So that's why you got to resist them. And be steadfast in your faith. Uh, uh, this coincides with 1 Corinthians because he says, There is no temptation that has overtaken you, such as common to man. I can keep my faith in God because there's other believers going through the same suffering. Somebody somewhere has a marriage problem. Somebody somewhere is dealing with death. Somebody's dealing with an attack on their health. Somebody's dealing with drug addiction. Somebody's dealing with homosexuality. Somebody's dealing with alcohol abuse. People all over the world. So I'm encouraged. That's why we as the church should be encouraging one another. To pray for one another, to love one another, because there's people all over the world. Now, people in our church are dealing with issues, and we got to be the one to lift them up. Back to the scripture. No temptation has overtaken you, such as common to man. Look at this. I got it highlighted. But God is faithful. Somebody say, But God is faithful. Yeah, I love that right there. Who will not allow, oh, I had to stop right there. Who will not allow uh, you to be tempted beyond what you are able? Woo! Uh, dealing with temptation and, and God is faithful. What is faithful? He's trustworthy. He's believable. He's honest. He's faithful. Uh, uh, he's all these things. And, and I love this because it don't say temptation won't come. 
but that God is faithful. I went to our prayer conference this week on, on Wednesday and Thursday, and I had a great time with Pastor Jackson in fervent prayer. And we were talking about prayer, and he said, so we got to get to the point where it's okay to be concerned, but we're not worried. Because I'm human. This means I know issues is real. I know things going on. I got some bad news about a family member, and, and it has me concerned. But I got faith in God. So my concern is I'm real. I know it might happen. Something bad can happen. But my faith in God says, you know what, God, I trust you anyway. God, I know you were healer. God, you show me in your word what you can do. I believe you. The enemy preys on our worriness. So if he can get us worrying, what does worry bring? It produces doubt. And when I'm worrying now, I'm doubting God. I ain't got no faith. So it's okay to be concerned. I'm bothered. It's not about being some superhero or not being realistic. No, baby, because things happen. This is life. I might be concerned, but I got faith. So, so uh, yeah, I clap right there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I have to pause right there. Uh, you mean to tell me, check this out, check this out. But God is faithful. He will not allow. So, so God knows the devil's coming to tempt me and test my flesh. The devil tempts me. But God tests. Know the difference. God does not tempt us. Don't ever let nobody tell you that God, God is tempting me. No, God is not evil. He cannot tempt with evil. It is not evil. Whenever the, when God has it, it's a test because He wants to prove yourself to Him. He wants you. To, he wants to show the devil, this is my child. They love me more than they love you. The enemy comes to tempt you to entice you to come away from God. And the enemy is so cold blooded because some of us in our life really we would never say we don't believe in God. Some people way out there and they will. They they worship Satan, whatever. But some of us know. It just don't sit right in our spirit. It got to be something somewhere. God got to be real. We would never say that. So what does he do? He tries to fulfill our minds and our hearts with little pieces of forgetfulness about God. Because he know you will never deny him, but if you forget about him, I got to weigh in. I can get you to do what I want to do if you forget about God. So the devil wants us to fall and to, and to feel condemned and shameful when there is temptation. Uh, he wants us to feel bad and feel horrible when temptations come. But even when all the temptation come, God puts a limit on the amount of temptation I receive. Woo. Every temptation will not go beyond my ability to resist it. That's what the text says. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you were able. But with, check this out. But with the temptation will also make a way escape that you may be able to bear it. Oh my goodness, that, that God is so good. God is faithful because he puts limits on the temptations placed in front of me and within me. Then he takes it up a notch and says, you know what, I'm not only going to put a limit on it, but I'm going to also give you a way of escape. Amen. So you'll be able to bear it. Be careful, don't misquote scripture, don't misquote scripture. Uh, I, I, I see so many people in my life and they say this, they say this all the time and they, I think they pull it from this text but it's not right, they pull it from this have you ever heard somebody say this God won't put more on you than you can bear yeah. that's what we say God won't put yeah. more on you than you can bear that's what we say all the time yeah. I've never felt that in the Bible <laughs> haven't felt that I think they pull it from this text because he, won't, he said, he said I will, I will, I will, you will be able to bear it so I'm thinking they pulling this, but guess what? It's some, it's some stuff in there that goes along with this. This is an inclusive scripture. Last week we talked about being inclusive and that you have to have a certain promise to, to claim these scriptures. And, and uh, Apostle Paul, he's writing this. He explained it that, uh, uh, that, that, that with God, but God is faithful. who will not allow you to be tempted. With God, but God is, not, is, is faithful. So if God is not in your life and you don't know him, he's not controlling your temptation level. If you don't know him, 
And loving him, he ain't providing a way of escape for you. So that you can bear it. See, we, when we are living a lifestyle without God and satisfying our flesh and our sin on a regular basis, sin's job is to kill us. Sin wants to destroy us, y'all. It ain't your boyfriend. It ain't your boo. It ain't your friend. It ain't your homie. Sin is designed to kill us. Jesus said, the thief come but to kill, steal, and destroy. But I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus wants us to live. The devil wants to kill us. Uh, when God said with Cain, he said, look, Cain, when Cain was about to kill Abel, God knew it was in his heart. He said, look, sin is lying at your door. And his desire is to have you. But you should master it. So we are trusting in our sinful nature, in nature. It will only put more on us than we can bear. Put more on us than we can bear. And his job is to kill us in the process. Yeah, the devil don't play fair. If you are with God, look at what he does. He makes a way of escape. I don't know about you, but I can go through my mental roller decks. <laughs> Sometimes in my life, I was on my way to make the wrong decisions. Uh, positioned myself perfectly to make the wrong decision. Exactly. <laughs> Had a plan to make the wrong decision. Yeah. Everything was going good. Everything was going place. And all of a sudden, something happened and God might have changed my mind. Yeah. Or, or maybe my phone rang and somebody called and got me out of a situation that I didn't want to be there. Or maybe it was I talked to a friend and instead of agreeing with me when they could have, they said, you stupid. Boy, you going to do that? You a fool. You better not go do that. God always finds a way to get you out of the escape. Yes, but you got to make sure you take the way. See, a lot of us mess up because that door got a little crack in it. <laughs> God, trying to get your attention. Wow. Don't do it. Holy Spirit be in your skin, your gut. Conscious be going, don't do it. And what do we do? Because we've been satisfying our flesh and been doing things outside the will of God, it's harder to run to it. See, he provides the way of escape, but when our eyes been so fixed on the temptation, we can't see the escape. That's it. That's good. Yeah. We end up missing all the warning signs. That's good. Anybody miss the warning signs? Yeah. When yeah. you go back and play it in your mind and yeah. see how the whole yeah. scenario yeah. planned yeah. out. Yeah. And say, God gave me a way to get out this thing. <laughs> That's real. But because I've been so used to satisfying me and being in pride and doing what I want to do, mm -hmm. I miss God. But God is trying to help us. God wants to, look, look, look trust me that I say this, I, I believe this right my heart. God wants to prove the devil wrong about you. He wants to prove the devil wrong about you. That's why when, when Job was tested, what happened? He said, God said to the devil, what are you doing? He said, I've been walking to and fro of the earth, seeking, you know, seeking and doing whatever I've been doing. And God said, well, have you considered my servant Job? And the devil said, well, the only reason I don't want to fool with him because you, you take care of him too much. Take your hand off all he got, and I bet you he'll cut you to your face. Jesus. What happens? God takes his hand off Job, not because yeah. God is mean. No, 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 no. God is sovereign, but yes. God wanted to prove yes. Yes. that he loved me for real. That's it. That's it. So what happens? The enemy destroys his house, his cars, his animals. He kills ten of his children, destroys everything. And Job did not curse God. Jesus. He said, the Lord giveth and the Lord yes, taketh away. Yes, Blessed yes, be the name of the Lord. Yes, yes, yes. Enemy came back again. Said, I'm going back and forth through the earth, to and fro. God said, well, have you considered my servant Job? I'm going to preach that one day. And, and he said, well, enemy said, I don't know if he ain't cursed you because he still got his health. 
take his health. And I guarantee he'll curse you to your face. God said, fine. I'll take my hand off of him. You can do whatever you want, but not kill him. God wasn't being mean. God proving a point. You love me for real. Mm-hmm. So the enemy takes a health bag that boils to the top of his head to his feet. He's sick. He gets to the point. His wife is like, what are you doing? You might as well just curse God and die. But he says, should we just accept good at the hand of the Lord wow. and not deal with bad? That's good. That's good. That's good. Because if God is good, he's good. It don't matter. If he's just too good to just be good. Amen. It don't matter. My situation can't be the only reason he's good. Yes, that's it. That's it. So God has came and he's loving us. He wants to prove the devil wrong about you, about me, about us, about we. That devil right there love me for real. I don't care what trial you put in their life. They love me for real. I don't care how much heartache they got. They love me for real. So you should take that and be glad that God wants to brag and boast on you. To the enemy. Yes. That means you mean something to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank see, you when, Lord. I, when we parents, you know, you know we do want to brag and boast on our children when they do well. Yeah. You see me with my children in sports and activities and stuff. They make a good play, uh, make a good pass, a good shot. I get my chest out. That's my baby right there. I'm happy. I'm excited. I, 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 I want to give them praise and I appreciate it. God, your daddy. That's it. He want to say, look how they handle that temptation. Yes. Look how they stand and say, you know what? I ain't going there. I'm going to go pray. I know they want to do it, but they didn't do it. Yes. Ooh. Yes. Thank Don't get it twisted. Temptation comes. Sometimes you want to do it. You made a flesh. That's it. But he, but, but even though I want to do it, I love him more than that's I love it. this. Yes, that's good. Because I want to spend eternity with him. Amen. 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 That's good. So check this out. Then, then Paul drops this. Flee, therefore, my beloved. Flee from idolatry. Flee from idolatry. Look, 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 look. Hear your pastor. Hear your pastor. I'm so serious when I say this. Sometimes the only way to escape, my beloved, is to flee. Right. And don't flee me. <laughs> flee don't mean power walk. <laughs> flee don't mean a slight job. Yeah. To flee means to get your Michael Johnson on and get the book and then run it like you're running the Olympics. Flee means to flee because sometimes the temptation is too strong. That's it. Take you out. That's it. And the only way you can get away from it is to flee up out of there. Yes. Yes. So this is the problem we have as Christians. We like to get up right to the line of sin. <laughs> try not to cross over it so we can say we didn't sin. Uh-huh. Wow, that's good. That's good. Yeah, we are crazy. We, crazy. we need it. We crazy. Yeah, yeah. We need Jesus. We do. We get right up to the line of sin. I'm right here. I didn't do it. So I really ain't got nothing to say. I'm sorry for I ain't got to repent. But then we get to further with that line so much, we tiptoe over that line. It's the other end of that line is grabbing us and pulling us. Uh-huh. And now we got no strength to get back. Or oh, we got to fight our way back yes. to get back where we was. So we cannot play with temptation. So we play with our flesh so much that we'd rather fall into sin than fleeing from it. Oh, wow. Help us, yeah. Lord. Lord. We've fallen instead of fleeing. Wow. But how is this possible? How do I get to the point, Pastor, that I can recognize the way of temptation, recognize the way of escape? How do I get to this point? The first thing, you've got to be saved. That's it. Man, that's it. Jesus said, I will send you a helper, the Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. He promised that he died to give us help. He said, you know what, i got to make this thing right. I'm tired of seeing people dying. The devil's dragging them to and fro. The God sent his son to come down to give us the help we need. Yes. Because we couldn't defeat this devil by ourselves. So first thing, I must be saved. Believe in Jesus Christ that he died from your sins. That he rose from the grave and lives with the Father. Now you've got the Holy Spirit working inside of you. It's like your conscience on steroids. 
Conscience is cool. God, God gave us all the conscience. How we know God real? God gave us all the conscience. But the Holy Spirit, He, he uh, amplifies that conscience. It gets more sensitive. Yeah. Things that don't seem that deep, that didn't bother me before, bother me. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. it. When they, they, they didn't see it, it wasn't that deep. I could do this and there wasn't no problem. I didn't consider it sin. Now the Holy Spirit is moving at me. That, uh, yes. that don't feel right. Yes. So now there's some shows I'll be like, uh, I'm a man, I gotta guard my eyes. That's already hard. I might can't watch that. Because I gotta guard my eyes. Not, not that it, it could be totally wrong, but sometimes I gotta, I gotta watch my ear gaze. I told you about the hip hop. I gotta watch my ear gaze and what I put in me sometimes. I gotta watch. The Holy Spirit makes us sensitive to the things of God. So the next thing we got to do, we must be able to confess when we commit sins. Love is 1 John uh, 1 and 9, one of my favorite scriptures. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. Man, I miss y'all shout. Y'all miss it, boy. Maybe I didn't read it right. Read it again. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, you got to confess it. God came to cleanse us to make you right. He came to get us all clean. Once I confess it, he can start to clean me. But if I don't confess, I can't get cleansed. Because the Bible says that he who says he's without sin is a liar. That's that pride, that flesh. I can't admit I'm wrong. I can't admit I got an issue. I can't admit I need help. No, God know your issue. He know how long you've been having your issue. He That's see it. your issue when nobody else see your issue. That's it. That's so you it. must confess it. That's it. Bible says he who, who, who confesses his sins receives mercy. That's it. So we don't get no mercy because we ain't confessing it to God. Wow. wow. And I love this. Philippians 1 and 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in us will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So check this out. We got temptation. I'm almost done. We got temptation. Uh, we got confession of sins. Because truth be told, all of us have failed in some area and failed into temptation. From the, from the pulpit to the back door. All of us have failed in temptation in some area. So but then God gives us a way to confess it and cleanse us. And then look, Paul says this, that I'm confident of this very thing. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it. Yes. Oh. Yes. 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 If you believe in me, if you love me, if you trust me, I'm not going to say it's going to happen overnight. Yes. But if I begin that work in you, yes. I'm going to complete it. Yes. Yes. Uh, God ain't going to let you go without. He's going to complete that good thing he started in you. He's going to continue to go. How does he complete the good thing until the day of Jesus Christ? He's going to complete it until I die. Why? Because if I love him, I'm confessing. If I love him, I'm going to read his word. If I love him, I'm going to pray. If I love him, I'm going to love my enemies. All these things get me together to get that work complete in me. Yes, that's good. Thank you, Lord. But what happens if I fall? I don't want to fall into sin. I don't, I don't want to sin. What happens if I fall? The Bible says this. If anyone does sin, they have an advocate to the Father, the righteous one, Jesus Christ. So even if we do sin, don't get it twisted. God ain't giving you a free pass to go do what you want to do. No, that's not what he means. Mm-hmm. But he knows if you fall, you still get to confess and go back to the Son. That's good. That's good. And when I confess and repent, the blood cleanses me. I get a fresh start. Yes. 
I get a new stock. It's like, like you remember off school Nintendo? Well, off school Nintendo had that reset button on it. And whenever the game was tripping, if it froze or if it messed up, we couldn't get to where we needed to go, what happened? We could hit the reset button and we can start over. We might not be at the level we was at, but at least we can start over. You might not be exactly where you was if you messed up, but you can reset and get it right. Every day I wake up is a day of new mercy. God wants to hit the reset button in some of your lives. I know you've been through some hard patches and hard times, but he want to reset you. So if he's going to complete the work, us as human beings... It's hard for us to fathom this sometimes because we see us where we're at right now. I love this because God don't see me right now. Mm-hmm. See, God seen this back in 1983. Yeah, yeah. That's the year I was yeah. born. Y'all missed that. <laughs> um, God seen this back in 1983. Yes. Yes. So it's hard for us to think we see our right now and don't think about our future. Yes. And we don't understand how he can complete this work in us into the day of Jesus Christ. Because us as human beings, we have the tendency not to finish things we start. Yeah, we've seen sandcastles left on the beach halfway completed. <laughs> we see paintings that ain't all the way finished. House half painted, they just stopped. Uh-huh. Don't know why. We start school, we quit school. It, halfway through, we don't want to do it no more. We don't know how to complete things sometimes, so we can't fathom God can complete me. Oh, that's good. That's good. Wow. So I'm unbothered uh-huh. because even in the midst of temptation, my sins, my faults, and my failures... I'm being confident in this very thing that even if I'm not complete now, he will complete me. And it's until the day of Jesus Christ. So it's either he going to complete me until he cracked that sky or until I step into that grave and I get to enter his gates. I'm going to be complete one way or another. So God wants to complete us. But it's up to us. This is what the Bible says that I'm doing. That we must work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Which means God's already done this part. He's already done the work. Mm-hmm. He gave his son. Amen. He died for us. And he rose from the grave with our power in his hands. He gave us his word. Uh, the text that Lady Thomas read today, that he's given us apostles and pastors and teachers and evangelists, all these things for the edifying of the saints. He's given us a church. He's given us all these things to edify the saints, to get us where we need to be. But if we don't take hold of it and work out our own salvation. See, 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 when he says work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, he don't mean you do the work because the son did the work. Yeah. That work you can't do. God saves us in that alone. But you got to do the work by trusting him. Mm-hmm. You got to do the work by having faith. You got to have the work believing him and saying, Lord, I give you my heart and I give me your hand. That's it. And watch what he does in your life. Amen. Amen. Give God a praise in his place. <laughs> hallelujah. 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 So I don't know where you stand at. I don't know where you're at, your relationship with Christ. But I do know this. He loves you. He cares for you. Yes, he does. He wants to complete a good work into you. Yes, don't think about what you see in 2018. God sees you 2019, 2021, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. He sees your future. He has a future and a plan and a purpose. The Bible says he He sees my future and my plan. He give me a hope and an expected end. Yes. He thinks good thoughts of me, not evil. God wants to blow your mind and do more in your life than you yes, can think. Yes, but you got to give him your heart. So I don't know where you stand at today in your relationship with Christ. But if you do not know him as your Lord and Savior, let today be that day. Let that day be the day. Say, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I love you. I come as I am. 
That's how he wants us to come as we are, to come humble. Humble, humble. And say, Lord, I need to save you. I can't save myself. My flesh been running me wild, tossing me to and fro. Got me going this way and that way. I need a savior. So if you know you need a savior, let today be your day. Let today be the day that I give my life to Christ. The temptation will not have me bound anymore. I got God fighting on my side and he's making a wave and escape. Helping me to be able to bear it. Because temptation is hard sometimes. But with God, it's possible to get out of temptation. It's possible he builds you up so the things that used to bother you back in 2018 continue to let him work on you. When you get in 2019, you're saying, you're like, yeah, why don't I want to do that no more? Because he's been working on you. Yes, that's good. And there might be some more things I need to clean up, and, and, and I might not got rid of them yet, but now it's 2020. I ain't got the desire to do that no more neither. He's pulling layer, and like an onion, he's pulling layer and layer and layer and layer off until he completes the work. God wants to complete it in you. So maybe you are saved. Maybe you're looking for a church. I don't know what you're standing in need of. But we are here. We'd love to have you be a part of Creation Church and what we're doing and trying to build God's kingdom. Or maybe you just need special prayer today. I don't know what you're standing in need of, but I know God is real and he loves you. And he wants you. He wants his very best for you. So whatever you're standing in need of today, if you need to be saved,